with winter meetings starting this week. What does Mike Hazen and the front office need to do over the next few days to make sure the D-backs walk away from Nashville feeling like winners? You are locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to who? Always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. I'm there you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. I've been hosting the Locked on Dimebacks podcast since 2020, and I would not be able to do this podcast without you guys. I want to thank my loyal listeners for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for subscribing to the podcast. Please share with your friends, streaming on all podcasting platforms, and don't forget to hit subscribe to Locked on Diamondbacks on YouTube. Now for today's show, we're going to be talking a whole lot about the offseason, talk about how Ken Kendrick actually has a great opportunity to win over the D-backs fan base this free agency. But before we get there, the winter meetings are starting up in baseball this week. All the GMs and executives are heading down to Nashville, Tennessee. This is usually the time where we see some of the biggest moves in free agency in baseball. This is kind of the time where it's like, yeah, if you expect things to go down, the Juan Soto deals, the Shohei Otani, the Yamamoto deals, like this is going to be the week where you want to keep those Jeff Passan notifications on. This is going to be the week where you want to tune in to MOB Network because this is going to be the most concentrated week probably of news that we get throughout the season because if those big fish don't sign this week, I honestly don't know at what point of the offseason they're going to sign if they don't sign this week. This should be the craziest week of MLB free agency. And to be honest, last year, it really wasn't that crazy. Of course, we had our fair share of signings, but I don't remember anything rocking the world last winter meetings. But there have been winter meetings where we have seen that, right? Ah, the, the biggest winter meeting that always sticks in my head was like the 2011 one where you saw like Albert Pujols go to the Angels with CJ Wilson. I think they got like Josh Hamilton to that offseason. Like that's like a winter meeting that has been ingrained in my uh, baseball memory. So I don't know if we'll see anything like that, but we could potentially see some big deals go down. Maybe the D-backs go out there and make a major splash via a signing or a trade this winter meetings because for segment number one and number two, I want to talk about the perfect guide for the D-backs this winter meetings. What will make this winter meetings a success? So where the D-backs, they walk away from Nashville feeling like winners. I think there's three big things that the D-backs have to do this winter meetings. Um, they don't have to do all three, but they got to do a combination of this three to at least make us feel like we're walking away as winners. Because I was thinking about this today. So far this offseason, we haven't seen a ton of movement. We haven't seen a ton of signings. 
the so far a lot of the big free agents they're still out there on the market and you can actually make an argument at this point in the offseason the biggest move or transaction we've seen is the D-backs trading for Eugenio Suarez like you can make an argument that's the biggest move that's happened so far this offseason now you might say maybe it's the Cardinals with Sonny Gray and that's fair He's coming off a, what, finish like top three in Cy Young voting? Like, that's fair. But they were also a last place team with a rotation that just got older. At least the D-backs are coming off a World Series appearance where they're filling one of their biggest holes entering the offseason. So you could make the argument that's the biggest move, if not the second biggest move of this offseason, acquiring Eugenio Suarez. So for the D-backs, what do they have to do over the next few days to ensure the winter meetings was a success. Number one, I think the biggest thing that I would like the D-backs to do over the next few days is go get you a starter for the rotation. Maybe, like we've talked about, they don't have to be that elite number one. I would love for the D-backs to go out there and get a Dylan Cease or Yamamoto. Those guys are like number one on my list for pitchers to add to this D-backs rotation. I would love a Yamamoto. I would love a Dylan Cease. That would be game-changing. Yamamoto, 25 years of age, nasty pitching arsenal, could be with the D-backs for the next 10 years. I would love Yamamoto. Dylan Cease, he's like 28, 29. You could have him for the next few years at still an elite level. Those guys would raise the championship ceiling so much for this D-backs team. But I don't think you need that true number one ace. I just need me a guy that could be a number two or number three starter in this D-backs rotation. So I would be very happy the D-backs walked away from the winter meetings with a Jordan Montgomery or Eduardo, Eduardo Rodriguez and Erod. I think both of those dudes would be major additions to this rotation. We saw Jordan Montgomery in the playoffs, in the World Series, and this is someone that has always been like a mid-rotation starter throughout his career. Maybe never like an elite frontline guy, but over the last two years, like he's turned into a really good starter in Major League Baseball, and what he did this past postseason, I think you do have to give him a little bit of credit for that as well. His career in the postseason, 37.2 innings pitch. 2.63 ERA. Like, I love a guy who gets better in the biggest moments. And Jordan Montgomery, like what we saw in the playoffs in the World Series, he's got that dog in him. So I would love to add a Jordan Montgomery. I would love to add an Erod. We need to add one more big starter in this rotation. Someone that could probably fit right behind Merrill Kelly. Or arguably ahead of Merrill Kelly. You could make the argument Jordan Montgomery should be the number two ahead of Merrill Kelly. I would probably put Merrill Kelly number two. But regardless, if Montgomery or Erod is your three with Fott as your five, I think that's a pretty strong number four. And then honestly, I would like to add, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's necessary. It's probably more of a luxury. But I wouldn't mind adding a number five starter, someone that could be extra rotational piece, depth piece, we saw the D-backs rotation last year. We thought we had all this depth. Tommy Henry, Ryan Nelson, Dre Jameson, Fott. All of them either got hurt or were not good for the D-backs, except for Fott in the postseason. And so for the D-backs, entering next year, if you're like, let's add one proven guy that could just eat innings at a number five hole, like a Clevenger or a Tyler Miley or a Wade Miley, like I wouldn't mind that at all. And if they suck, then you could throw a Tommy Henry out there. 
as your number five starter if you need to do that. Like, I'm not going to be upset if the D-backs don't add a secondary starter to be their number five guy, but I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't mind a Mike Clevenger as your number five emergency starter. You could probably trust a Clevenger or a Motley or Wade Miley more than one of those D-backs youngsters if you get into an emergency situation in the postseason. Maybe one of those Clevenger types could come out the bullpen as a long reliever if one of your Gallons or Kelly struggles early. Or maybe someone like that gets hurt, a Gallon or a Kelly or a Montgomery if you sign one of those guys. Maybe they get hurt and then in the postseason, you need Clevenger or someone to be your number three or number four starter. So I don't think it would be a bad move for the D-backs to add one more experienced veteran guy to round out the rotation, but has to be someone with at least a little bit of upside or someone who's been performing well in the last couple years. Don't give me another Zach Davies who you just know was never going to be a high-level quality starter who never really had a high upside. At least Tyler Miley, I could be like, yeah, little upside, bounce back uh, if he's healthy. Clevenger, I'm like, yeah, I- I've seen him be good before. Wade Miley, he's has dealt with health issues the last couple of years, but when he's been healthy, he's been effective. So I wouldn't see, I, I wouldn't mind seeing the D-backs round out their rotation with one more starter, but definitely. Priority number one is adding another starter to the top of this rotation. This D-backs rotation as it currently stands, just not good enough heading into next season. You cannot go into next season with just Zach Allen, Merrill Kelly, Brandon Fott, and then what, Slade, Kakoni, or Tommy Henry, or Ryan Nelson after that. Like, that's just not good enough. The D-backs need one more big boy Major League veteran that you could slide into that number two, number three spot in your rotation. And I need Mike Hazen to get that job done. And hopefully he can get that target acquired this week in Nashville. Now we'll talk about two more big needs that the D-backs need to check off their list this winter meetings. But before we get there, if you think the D-backs can walk away as true World Series contenders after winter meetings, then why not go to FanDuel Sportsbook and place a little D-backs futures down on the app because score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. I think I've hacked the system. When the Lakers are playing a team below 500, you take AD over in points, AD over in rebounds, and you take the Lakers money line. I think that's the secret formula to winning money off FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. If you like the show, please follow me on Twitter at CreatorToms24 for my personal account or look up Lockdown Dimebacks below Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. But now let's get into the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast once again and discuss 
A couple more things that the D-backs need to do this winter. Meetings to walk away as a winner, to feel like you're successful in what you just did in Nashville. And the next big thing that I think the D-backs need to do is get a left fielder. I'm going to be honest. I think the D-backs need another outfielder. I just don't think I trust an outfield of just Carroll, Thomas, McCarthy, and I guess you could potentially throw Dominic Fletcher in there. Like, Of course, we all trust Corbin Carroll. He is the prodigal son. He is arguably the face of not just the D-backs, of Arizona sports. Booker, I think, is firmly number one. But could you say Carroll's number two? Of course, you got KD as well, but Carroll is at least homegrown. Kyler Murray, I don't know how you know, resonance he has with the fans right now. People, I mean, I work for the Arizona Coyotes. I wish more people cared about them. So I'm not going to throw Clay Keller or Logan Cooley on that list right now. So you could definitely say Corbin Carroll in the top three right now of faces, uh, you know, of the current Mount Rushmore of Arizona sports. I think Corbin Carroll is firmly slotted into that number two or number three spot. But outside of Corbin Carroll, the outfield for the D-backs right now, uh, I wouldn't exactly call it a strength for the D-backs. Of course, Alec Thomas, you could say arguably the best defensive outfielder in Major League Baseball. I loved what he did this past postseason. He came through clutch multiple times, pinch hitting off the bench. I love Alec Thomas, but the bat needs to be better. We need to see more of the 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 pure contact hitting, the kind of slap hitting. I don't know what you're calling it. I'm not the dude who can break down development of prospects, but this was supposed to be a pretty sure bet contact hitter, guy that could get you doubles in the gap. And we just haven't seen enough from Alec Thomas from the offensive production standpoint. Need more from him. Jake McCarthy, fantastic in 2022. I still have a huge whole soft spot in my heart for a little Jakey Wakey, and I hope he has a bounce back for the D-backs next season, but I still can't trust him. He's still more of a speedster than a guy you could trust every single day, so it's like the D-backs do need, I think, an everyday left fielder because I don't know if I could trust Alec Thomas and Jake McCarthy to start every day. And Alec Thomas probably will be starting most days because of his defense. Jake McCarthy, probably more platoon potential. And so who should the D-backs go out there and sign for left field? I mean, it's pretty obvious when you look at some of the names. Obviously, I would love for the D-backs to bring back a Lords Guriel or Tommy Pham. I think I'm more pro Lords Guriel because... He's slightly younger. I think he's probably got a little bit more pop in his bat right now. Um, Defensively, they're pretty similar. Lourdes Gurriel made some spectacular catches for the D-backs. Great for the team with runners scoring position. I like his high energy in terms of the, the positive energy he uh, exudes on this team. Tommy Pham, also super positive guy, great locker room guy, but there's like a magnetism to Lords Guriel that I think was really good for this D-backs team, a jovialism to him. So I think I would prefer Lords Guriel over Tommy Pham, but I wouldn't be upset if the D-backs went the other route if Tommy Pham ends up being a cheaper option because he is like 34, 35 years of age. But I would like to bring potentially one of those guys back. I also wouldn't mind a Teoscar Hernandez if the price tag is reasonable, but I don't know if he's someone that's going to age well. He already seems to be in the decline, so I don't love a Teoscar Hernandez if he's looking for 18 to 20, but if you could get him for like 12 to 14, which seems kind of crazy, I would like him at that price tag. More reasonably, if you look at tier below Teoscar Hernandez, 
I do like an Adam Duvall and a Jorge Soler. The D-backs don't re-sign Lords Gurriel or Tommy Pham. Like, Duvall, righty, solid defensive player, big power bat when he was healthy for the Red Sox last year. Really good offensive player in the middle of that lineup. Then Jorge Soler, he's a very streaky player. He's kind of a yo-yo player. You never know what you're going to get from Soler every other year. He seems to be a 40-home run guy, and then the the other year, he seems to be just an 18-home run, big strikeout guy. So a lot of volatility with Jorge Soler, but if you're looking for a righty power bat, Duvall and Soler are two options who could be on the cheaper end, who I think would be perfect fits for this D-backs team. So I, I would not mind at all if the D-backs went that route. I think that would be uh, very interesting if the D-backs want to go after a Duvall or Soler if they end up being cheaper options cheaper options than a Lords Goriel or a Tommy Pham. So number two on my wish list this winter meetings is a left fielder. And then number three would be adding a righty bat slash DH. I think the D-backs definitely need to add another bat just on top of the outfield, just on top of the third baseman that they added. They just need another bat that you could probably just slide into DH and someone that could platoon with either your outfield or your third base or your shortstop, a dude that could potentially play multiple positions and be your everyday DH the days he's not DHing maybe he's playing an infield spot or an outfield spot that's when I think of a Brandon Drury of course I don't think he's a free agent but someone like that where if he was your DH should be happy a little bit of pop solid bat but can also play a little outfield can play a little infield someone like that a Ben Zobris type I don't know if those guys are out there available but someone like that would be interesting if the D-backs could add him to their lineup or that the D-backs just added someone that could just slug I wouldn't mind that at all as well if they couldn't play defense if they were just an offensive player I wouldn't mind that at all because the D-backs DH last year actually wasn't very good like the D-backs DH last year a batted 219 with a 678 OPS like the D-backs DH just didn't produce a, a pretty they, they just didn't produce an effective stat line or slash line at all. In terms of a stat line, they did produce 22 home runs, 97 RBIs. But I think the D-backs can do better from their DH if they went out there and got like a J.D. Martinez or Justin Turner. Like I don't even care if those guys can't play defense. What those guys can do offensively would be way better than what the D-backs got from their DH last year. And... I don't even need a right-handed bat to be there to be the D-backs DH because to be honest, if the D-backs get a righty to play left field, I wouldn't mind the D-backs getting a lefty to be the DH because as it currently stands, I kind of like the D-backs righty situation better than their lefty situation. Yes, there is currently more lefties in the lineup than righties, but I think the strength of our team is currently righties. We think of Christian Walker and Eugenio Suarez and Gabriel Moreno, plus Keto Marte, his slash line crushes from the right side of the plate. Um, I think the right side of the plate is currently stronger for the D-backs as opposed to Corbin Carroll, and then it's a big drop-off. Alec Thomas, Jake McCarthy, uh, Geraldo Perdomo, like... It's a big drop-off after that, so I wouldn't be upset at all if the D-backs went out there and signed like a Lords Gurriel to play left field as a righty bat, and then sign like a Jock Peterson or something just to be that lefty power bat from the left side and just DH, and then you could platoon and switch with Lords Gurriel. Like, 
I wouldn't mind the D-backs going out there and balancing out their lineup like that. But I also think there's a way to flip that theory on its head, that philosophy on its head, and you say, you know what, this is something that I've heard recently in football a lot. It's something that the 49ers do. Build strength on strength. And so if the D-backs went out there and signed Lords Guriel and a Tommy Pham, two righties where you put Lords Guriel in left field and Tommy Pham at DH, I also wouldn't mind that. If the right side of the plate is already the D-back strength, then let's double down on our strength and add a righty left fielder and a righty DH and just build strength on strength. That could be the path to bring back a Tommy Pham and a Lords Guriel. But I think my dream would be to sign a Lords Guriel and a J.D. Martinez. I think that would just be absolutely nasty if the D-backs did that. If the D-backs walk away from the winter meetings, hitting two of the three pillars we just laid out, it would be a major, major success. And if they just hit one of them, I hope it's the starting pitching because I think adding a starter is more important than adding a bat to the lineup or adding an outfielder right now because the starting pitching market, it's just less deep which is going to lead to inflated price tags. So it could be harder to acquire these pitchers uh, throughout the offseason. So I think the D-backs kind of need to strike right now where there's more of an abundance of these guys before they start flying off the shelves and getting more expensive as demand goes up. I think wait a little bit longer for a bat because I think the batting, I think the depth of the batting market from just dudes who could just play DH for the D-backs or play outfield for the D-backs this year. I think that's a lot deeper than the pool of pitchers. So priority number one for the D-backs this winter meetings should be going out there and getting a starting pitcher for the top of the rotation. So we'll see if Hazen can fill these holes he's talked about for months by building a better team to get Another chance, another crack, another World Series run. So we'll see what Hazen can do these winter meetings. And we'll also be talking about, coming up in segment number three, how Ken Kendrick has a chance to really change his image and win over D-backs fans this offseason. So we'll talk about that in segment number three. But first, I want to talk to you guys about this little thing because did you know Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube? Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the Lock on Dimebacks podcast. Let's talk about how Ken Kendrick has a chance to win over D-backs fans this offseason because, listen, I'm not a huge Ken Kendrick guy, and I don't think the D-backs fan base are huge Ken Kendrick people either. I don't think he's a fan favorite when just talking to other D-backs fans, I've never met anyone who's like, yeah, I love Ken Kendrick, one of the best owners in the sport. Usually people have a gripe or a little disappointed with 
Ken Kendrick because they feel like the D-backs can spend more money on this team. They're always like bottom half in payroll in Major League Baseball. They think they could put a better product on the field. They think maybe the stadium could use a couple upgrades. So it's like, and the and it's not like Phoenix is some small market. Phoenix, Arizona is one of the biggest growing markets in the country. And they're already currently a pretty big market in the country. So it's like, this should not be a poor team or poor situation at all, but it feels like Ken Kendrick just does not give enough back to this D-backs team. And we really felt that way when he traded away a face of the franchise and a Paul Goldschmidt squabbling over some money, over some dollar signs. Like, Goldie should have been a lifer for the D-backs. Went out there and won MVP as soon as we traded him away. He should be here with the D-backs right now. I mean, thankfully, Christian Walker has been so good at replacing him. But Ken Kendrick, this offseason... I think he has a big chance to really change his image this offseason. He's already empowered the front office to be more proactive in their signings to longer-term deals with their players before they get too expensive like the Ketel Martes and Corbin Carrolls. It's probably more of the front office telling Ken Kendrick, hey, if you want to save money in the long term, let's sign these guys now. But at least Ken Kendrick is doing it and saying, you know what, here's the money. Here's to signing a player like Corbin Carroll eight plus years or however long that deal was like I don't know if the D-backs would have done that a few years ago D-backs of course worth more money now and with this team being ahead of schedule being young and making some extra money from that from that playoff run it's time for Ken Kendrick to put his money where his mouth is and start spending on this team we know what the D-backs holes are we saw them in the regular season when they finished with a negative run differential. We saw them in the postseason when the D-backs had to do the bullpen game and Evan Longoria at third base and maybe the offense not coming through in the World Series. Like We know what the weaknesses of this team is, and with all that extra revenue, we better see it go back into this D-backs team and fixing those issues you have to spend money to be good in baseball and be good in all of sports. There's, of course, a few instances where that's not true, right? You can, yes, you can have a team like the D-backs or the Royals where you make a Cinderella run and you get all the way to the championship and everyone feels good and everyone's clapping and they're like, look at us, the little underdog who didn't spend any money. Look at us, take down all the big giants who like to spend money. But guess what? The reason it's called a Cinderella run is because it came out of nowhere. No one expected it, and it doesn't feel sustainable. The, Royal, the Royals somehow had two Cinderella runs over a two-year period where they went to the World Series, lost, went back the very next year, and won it all. But outside that two-year period, the 20 years before that and the 20 years since, even though it hasn't been 20 years, They've sucked. You look at the last 35 years of Royals baseball, outside those two World Series years, they've been atrocious. And so the teams who have spent money are the ones who are the toughest when you get to the postseason, right? The Tampa Bay Rays and Baltimore Orioles had great regular seasons this past year. Orioles, like the D-backs, ahead of schedule, over 100 wins. Tampa Bay, a machine when it comes to developing guys year after year. But what did those teams do when they got to the postseason? They ran out of gas and they choked down the playoff series because their talent just didn't match up against some of the better talent we saw in the postseason, like 
How about the Philadelphia Phillies, a wildcard team, or the Texas Rangers, another wildcard team? Two teams who were very high in the payroll, who had a lot of stars, who were built for the postseason. Yes, anyone can get hot, but stars just raise your ceiling. They are inherently more dynamic than just your Joe Schmoes in baseball. Having stars just, of course, just raises that championship equity. Just look at the World Series champions from the last 20 years. The Royals are essentially just the 2003 Pistons. The 03 Pistons are like the only NBA team in like the last 50 years to win a ring without like any true superstars. The Royals are like the same thing for Major League Baseball. They're like the only team to break the mold without having a talented team or loaded positions at every spot on the roster. You look at the last few World Series champions, even go against the Texas Rangers this past year. Corey Seager and the Dallas Garcia and the Marcus Simeon, like Jordan Montgomery was pretty good, and they traded for legend Max Scherzer. Of course, he didn't do much in the postseason, but the Rangers team was loaded and spent a lot of money. Astros the previous year, Jordan Alvarez, Altuve, Verlander, Framber Valdez, Braves the year before were loaded with the Freddie Freemans of the world, and... Uh, the Austin Rileys and so many other dudes, the Dodgers the year before that, the Nationals the year before that. Like, you look at all these World Series teams over the last 20 years, they're loaded with stars and superstars all over the roster. The D-backs have a really nice core right now. They hope continues to get better with internal development, but you need to supplement that with, you need to supplement your internal talent with external talent too, with signings in free agency in trading for dudes on the open market like you can't just expect to get better through your own internal development so this offseason Ken Kendrick needs to walk the walk and spend some of that money the D-backs walk away this offseason without us feeling like they move the needle in terms of their championship equity then we know things will never be right under Ken Kendrick now that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. We'll be, of course, reacting to any big winter meeting news that might come out. Um, because, like I said, it will be the first day of winter meeting, so we'll be checking in on the hot stove. So come back. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Now says.